A reading from 2 Peter, the first chapter, beginning with verse 16. Before the first, sin, the first verse of this passage, Peter has said that he is sharing things that he wants this church to be able to recall at some point. So keep that in mind. He writes, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we had been eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to Him by the majestic glory saying, This is My Son, My Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with Him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by human will. But men and women, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Reading from the 17th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to the Lord, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus Himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This text is loaded with all sorts of imagery that 
If you're a reader of the Old Testament, you recognize a prophet on the mountain, the cloud, the voice coming from the cloud and speaking, the giving of of new importance. All of these things just kind of bear and take root in the story and push our eyes maybe even to Moses as he received the Ten Commandments. And you know, this story really is just theologically rich and we can jump into it in all kinds of places. But the thing that kept coming to me coming back to me as I read it and read it and read it, is that simple phrase, but Jesus came, and it's about the other three, Peter, James, and John, who had this experience. It seems almost like maybe there's some secondary point here that we should make sure we're aware of. The primary point is to reveal Jesus. And that's why this text is the last text, the last gospel text of the Epiphany season. Epiphany means reveal. So here, Jesus is being revealed to James, John, and to Peter as exactly who Peter called him just a few sentences ago. The Christ, the Son of the living God. You know that story, right? Jesus and his disciples are going through Caesarea Philippi. It's a hotbed of pagan religion. Idols and temples everywhere. It's a terrific place for Jesus to ask his disciples who those people who live in that town say that he is. And if you remember it, you remember they gave some kind of standard stock Answers that might reveal that these people were in a mood for a Messiah. They said, he's John the Baptist basically come back from the dead. Or he's Elijah who was supposed to come at the end and restore things. Or he's Jeremiah come back. All of those were answers that belonged to the time of Moses and Elijah. These two who have come to meet with Jesus on the mountaintop. Those are answers that belong to the prophet office of speaking words and people ignoring them, which is exactly what they mostly did with the prophets, correct? But here something is turning. The immediate context of this story is Jesus beginning to tell his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must suffer at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and rise on the third day. Not Peter and James and John's plan. They're probably just like those other people in Caesarea Philippi. They see him as the Messiah come to overthrow Rome and to renew the kingdom of Israel, to be exactly what was supposed to happen. They thought. And they had been listening to their prophets. Like other good Jews of the time, they knew that God would not always leave them. That they were not forsaken and they were not abandoned. That someday Messiah would come. So Jesus quizzes them. After hearing who they said, the people said he was, Jesus said, but who do you, who do you say I am? Well, that's a heavier question, isn't it? 
It's one thing to bear witness about somebody and talk about the popular opinion of them. But when someone solicits your own opinion, you realize that you're about to be on the hook for something. One of the most uneasy questions a pastor can ever be asked is, who are you going to vote for? (laughs) Talk about something that could split a church. We're invited to bear witness to someone every day by people who say to us, what do you think about old so-and-so? And here Jesus is asking them to bear witness to him. Who do you say I am? And Peter just pours forth this axiomatic thing that we've all heard before. And probably like me, if you're like me, you just love hearing it. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Because he had seen the things that Jesus was doing. And heard the words that Jesus had spoken. But he had not yet listened. Any of y'all ever had your spouse accuse you of hearing but not listening? I read a story this week about a man who was sitting at dinner with his daughter. And his daughter said, Dad, I have something to tell you and I'll tell you really fast. He said, well, why, why would you have to? Well, I know you're busy because you always tell me you're busy when I want to talk to you. And he said, okay, you can say it slow, and I'll listen. And she said, but Daddy, make sure you listen slow. What was she telling him? Hear my words. Think about what I'm saying. Take it into yourself. Process it. Hear me through what I say. That's the difference between hearing and listening. Listen, folks. A lot of people hear the word read. Not very many listened to it. That was Peter's issue. Jesus said, I have to go to Jerusalem. I will suffer. I will be killed. And Peter said, not you, Lord. God forbid it. Why did Jesus tell him? Anybody brave enough to say it in church? Get behind me, Satan. Satan. Well, Peter's just done a tailspin, hasn't he? Because the question shifted from what is the popular opinion of me to what is yours. And Peter confessed all that he really knew. And his understanding of Messiah was not that Messiah would suffer, but that Messiah would take the kingdom by force. Uh oh. So they followed Jesus up a mountain. I imagine Peter was probably feeling relieved that Jesus still wanted to spend time with him, right? And he probably thinks he's going up the mountain for some, you know, little kind of innocuous chat, maybe to get pumped up a little bit, get re-encouraged and find himself feeling a little better about this new project that Jesus has dropped on him. And after all, how many people want to hear their, their de facto boss saying, well, we're going to Charlotte tomorrow and I'll get killed. How's that sound? But if Peter had been listening, instead of just hearing, he would have heard Jesus say, 
and believed Jesus when Jesus said, be raised on the third day. Don't you think? It seems like he did that kind of listening that husbands are accused of. He heard his wife talking, but he didn't process the words. All of us husbands want y'all to know that's not true. Usually. What are we to do with these two stories side by side? The most important thing that's happening in the transfiguration story, this metamorphosis of Jesus, where he is momentarily transformed by the Father so that James and John and Peter can see him as he will be and as he truly is. To reinforce what Jesus has already said, that he will suffer, be killed, and what was the end? Rise. To give them a glimpse of the glory of the Christ. The glory of the Son of the living God. And I think the reason for that for them is caught up in that but Jesus came. Their reaction to hearing the voice of God from the cloud is to fall down, right? You saw that? They were trembling. They're feared. They're not afraid with like the kind of fear that you get when a jump scare in a horror movie. They're afraid of the awe of God. They've seen Jesus change and see Him plainly for who He is. And they find themselves flopped on the ground. And Jesus comes and touches them and says, Get up. Listen, He said to them, Rise. He used the same word that he used about himself. In the same way that he would be raised, he is raising them up through what they have seen so that they can be witnesses. And that's what Peter was telling us in that text I read there. That confidence of what we have witnessed comes from one who knows what it's like was I was hearing him, but I wasn't listening. I heard the words He said, but I didn't let them invade my heart and take over. I heard this thing He said, but I just dismissed it. And thought, well, that's not for me because we're going later this week to overthrow Pilate. Dear ones, we are prone to make the same mistake that Peter had. To hear the words of Jesus and dismiss them as just words from a book. To hear the commands of Jesus, to hear the teachings of Jesus, to hear His ethics, to hear His hopes for us and dismiss them as if there's something that belonged to the same fictional aisle as fairy tales and Disney princes. But that can only be true if we're only hearing. Because if we listen, if we listen to the words of Christ, then Christ comes and touches us on the shoulder as well and says, rise, get up. And leads us out into the world. The same way He led them down that mountain.
the voice from the cloud said to Peter, Peter who said to Jesus, Not you, Lord! The voice says, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Exactly what Peter needed to hear, wasn't it? Listen to Him. Here we are, recipients of this story. A people who have many options for who we will listen to. Our daily lives are flooded with words. Whether it's from the New York Times or the Manning Times. TV, little pundits that squawk and argue with each other and don't solve anything. Little tiny blackbirds yelling all over the place of all sorts. Like grackles in the backyard, we can almost not hear over their cackling. We have many choices for who we will listen to in this life. Many voices that would lead us to awkward and understood and horrible places. But let me ask you, has Jesus not shown you who He is in your life? Has He not called you here? Have you not experienced His love and joy just a few moments ago when you shared that love and joy with one another? How will you respond? Will you be just a hearer of His words? Or will you listen and become a doer of His words? That's what was before James and John and Peter as they headed down that mountain. Having been shown That rebuking Jesus was a mistake. (laughs) Peter is challenged to listen to him instead. As you read through the Gospels, there are things that Jesus says that are very hard to hear. Forgive us as we forgive. Anybody in here perfectly good at forgiving? I need lessons. If you are, you could help me with that. Loving our enemies? What? Is he serious? What do you think? And the Son of the living God says, love your enemies? Is he, is he just wasting his breath? Or are we supposed to listen to him? When he says, love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself, are we supposed, eh, he don't know my neighbor. Which neighbor, Jesus? When he tells us that we are to be his witnesses in the world, I said, no, 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 we paid a preacher for that. That's, that's, That's his job, her job. Let them go do it. Are we just hearers or are we listening? 
One of my least favorite things in Christendom is to hear somebody talk about how Jesus fixed everything in their life. I should love that, but I don't because Jesus messed my life up. I had a plan. And it wasn't this. But when I quit hearing Him and started listening Him, listening to Him, I too, I too was transfigured. And I was able to hear His call as something other than a threat. I promise you, that can be true for you as well. As you read and hear Jesus' words, they don't have to be a threat to your way of life. If you will listen and take heart in them. And remember that the one speaking to you is the Son of the living God and speaks with that authority. So if Jesus promises us that we will be able to love God and love our neighbor, guess what? We will be able. By the grace of God, we are being conformed to the likeness of Christ. There's a quote attributed to John Wesley that I can't find anywhere in Wesley, and I don't really think he said, but... The quote is this, set yourself on fire for God and people will come to watch you burn. Listen, that's what happened on that mountain. Jesus was revealed as a person who was God, who was vivified as the presence of God. Dear ones, we are being transformed to be people on fire with the Holy Spirit. As witnesses, to the goodness of Christ. But it will only come for us if we stop hearing and start listening. So I'm inviting you and myself to a mindset change. To a time of intentional listening to Jesus. And you got one of these last year, so it might not be a shock if you did it last year. But I want to ask you, would you be willing to leave this church today with one of these bookmarks? They're on the back table. Committed to reading three chapters a day except Saturday and Sunday. And starting the first Monday after Ash Wednesday. Just a week away. Would you be willing to commit to reading three chapters a day and actively listening to the words of the Son of the living God? In those words, dear ones, He will come around and tap you on the shoulder and say, Get up. Do not be afraid. And just like Peter your fear of His words will be transformed into a witness for His words. I promise you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.